Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. That's right. That's what we're talking about this weekend. All things So why don't you go ahead and open up your Bible. We're going to continue in the book of Mark tonight. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2. We got a tremendous story um, that I think you guys are going to love. Tremendous story from Mark chapter 2. So as you go ahead and open up your Bibles, I want you to imagine this scene. You wake up one morning, a little bit of a sore throat, right? You uh, start to get ready for school, but as you go throughout your morning routine, you realize that this is more than just a, a sore throat, you, you may have strep throat, you know? Everybody say, ew, ew, right? And so you inform your parents that you are so sad that you will not be able to go to school today. And so they oblige, and they take you to the doctors, and you, on your way to the doctors, you're thinking, I'm just gonna go and get some penicillin. I'm just gonna go and get my throat treated, right? Any nurses in the room, is that what you use for a strep throat, penicillin? What do you do for your strep? You get some for strep throat, right? You get some meds, all right? And so you go to the doctors, and you're going in for some strep throat. Doctor comes in, kind of does a quick, like, right? Looks at you, all this kind of stuff, walks out of the room. Next thing you know, five people are coming into your room, dressed head to toe in those blue surgical gowns, right? And they come over to you, and you're like, oh, hey, doc, what's, what's going on here? You're like, hey, don't worry. We've done this plenty of times. Don't even worry. And they start to, like, you know, like, dress you up and put on that, you know, the surgery rags. And you're like, whoa, I just, what's going on here? And they're like, hey, listen, it's not uncommon for you to be nervous when you're going through your first surgery. And you're like, surgery? What is going on here? And you're like, no, doctor. And they're like, listen, you're in denial. It's okay. Sleep. <laughs> and they knock you out, and they begin to perform a crazy surgery to remove one of your inner organs, known as your pancreas. How would you feel that day if you went in to be treated for strep throat and the doctors accidentally treated you for pancreatic disease and removed your pancreas? How would you feel about that? That is actually not too uncommon, not to scare you, but this is actually not unheard of, okay? I have a couple of cases here. A couple of cases here. Early 2016, at a Rhode Island hospital, a patient went in for brain surgery. The doctor comes into the room. Despite the nurse's insistence that he's doing it wrong, he proceeds to go through with what he thinks is just another old brain surgery. He is, after all, a brain surgeon. And so he goes in and he begins to do this brain surgery, looking to remove a tumor, only to find out that he is drilled into the wrong side of the head. That's a great brain surgery. Let me tell you another. Two patients staying at UMass Memorial. This is March 2016, a little less than a year ago. Two patients at UMass Memorial Medical Center go in to have a tumor examined. Both patients have, their, have a biopsy, right? Both patients have their tumor examined. One of them is cancerous. The other is not. Those results were switched. And the wrong patient had to get the wrong surgery to have the biopsy removed. Oops. Let me share another one. St. Vincent, October 2016. Two patients go in for CAT scans for their kidneys. 
The results were mixed up, and the wrong patient accidentally had his kidney removed. Oops. <laughs> what would you do if you went into a healer, if you went in to be treated for something that was completely the wrong thing? You would sue. Yes, you would. And you would be a rich man, and I would want you to come to my youth group and give a lot of money, right? What would you do? Today we're going to see, that was a rhetorical question, my friend. Thank you. All right. It's good, though. Participation points, right? What team are you on? Nine, minus 10 for basketball. Awesome. All right. All right. Today we're going to see a story. Today we're going to look at a story in Mark chapter 2 of a man who went into a healer to have something fixed, only to leave that day, only want to find out that once he got there, this healer wanted to address something completely differently. How would you feel? We're going to find out exactly how he felt right here in Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. We're talking today about the healing. We're talking today about the healing. Check this out. Verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum, talking about Jesus, after some days it was reported that he was at home. Hey, everyone. Jesus is home. Did you hear? Jesus is home. No way. Jesus is home. All right. And so many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, the same word that we saw last night, right? Preaching to them the gospel about the kingdom. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. All right, pause the scene right here, all right? We see that by this time, Jesus has drawn quite a crowd, okay? And so Jesus is here, and he's, and he's teaching, right? And, and he's just drawing quite a crowd, right? There's a buzz, and, and people have found out, Jesus is home. Jesus is home, and so everybody wants to go see Jesus. All different types of people, they want to come see Jesus and have him touch them and all of these different things. And today, we get to meet one of those kinds of people. There was this man who lived in the vicinity of Galilee, and he was a paralytic, right? which means he was paralyzed. And so this paralytic, he had heard about Jesus. He heard the story, but you know what? He's seen this all before, right? This paralytic has been in town, right? He, he's been around the block. He's seen all of these faith healers. He's, he's, he, has, he has blah, 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 blah. He has seen all of these, these prophets come through town. He's seen all of these, these, these hype movements and all these followings. He's seen crowds. He's has, he has seen mobs. And they all have the same thing in common. They all come and they go and they leave town and he's still there paralyzed. And so by this time, this dude is probably like pretty emotionally guarded. You know what I mean? He's probably learned, don't get your hopes up, right? He's probably already accepted the fact that he's never going to walk again, and that's just a fact. And he's probably just going to have to get used to it. But man, there was something just different. You know what I mean? There was just, there was some electric in the air, and he's, and, he, and he's hearing the mobs, and he's hearing the buzz, and he's hearing people talk around the water cooler about this, but this Jesus dude, did you hear about this Jesus guy? Oh, yeah, I've probably seen him all before. No, he's different, man. Like, I'm telling you, you got to hear him teach. He teaches with authority. Like, he's not just like this royal commentator. He's teaching almost as if he was there when it happened. I don't get it. And so the paralytic, right, he's there, and he's just one of those cold and bitter guys. And he's like, man, I've seen this all before. But the more he hears the buzzing, the more he hears the crowds, the more he hears the hope, he almost lets himself hope again, right? And he comes to the point where he says, 
could this be? Could this be the real deal? Can this actually be something? Can the people talking about this actually know what they're saying? And he comes to the point where he says, I can't deny it anymore. I think there's something special about this Jesus. I can't deny it anymore. I really do believe that Jesus is the real deal. I think that Jesus could heal me. And he allows himself, allows himself to go there. And he says, I really do think that Jesus could fix my legs. And so he wants to go see Jesus. But there's one problem. He can't walk, right? So he grabs four of his homies. They put them on a mat. And here we go. We're off to see Jesus. The paralytic, his biggest wish that day, his biggest desire that day was to be healed by Jesus. Makes sense, right? After all, he's paralyzed. So imagine this dude, right? He's, he's I was going to say he's walking. Wrong, right? This dude's on a mat, right? He's just planking. And he's like, we're off to see a Jesus, a Jesus, a, right? Whatever it is, right? And the guys are carrying him. And he's, he's sitting there on his back, laying there. He's just already playing visions in his head of, man, what is it going to be like? Man, what is, is he going to like, am I going to feel something? Is, it gonna, is he going to like do surgery? Is he going to speak? Is he going to touch? Like, Man, he's just getting excited, right? And he's just picturing, man, Jesus is going to fix my legs. Jesus is going to fix my legs. Jesus is going to make my legs like brand new. And when Jesus fixes my legs, everything will change. When Jesus fixes my legs, then everything in my life that is wrong is finally going to be fixed. Man, if, when, when Jesus fixes my legs, everything in my life that is a problem, everything that is messed up, like that. He's going to make me brand new. Jesus is going to fix my legs. I think I can safely say that nobody here tonight is paralyzed, right? Maybe, right? I don't know. You're like, after Epic Ball, I don't know. I feel it. <laughs> I don't think any of you are paralyzed, but you know what? You're kind of like the paralytic because each and every single one of you in this room, you have your one thing, right? You know what I'm talking about? You have your one thing. You have the thing that you look at in your life and you go, man, if that was fixed, if Jesus could just fix me here, dude, then everything would be better, right? Yeah, I know there's probably a lot of, but man, man, this is the thing that I stay up thinking about. This is the thing in your life that you look at and you go, dude, if, just, if this one thing, everybody say one thing, if this one thing was better, my entire life would be different. And in that way, we're just like the paralytic, right? If I could have this one thing, this would fix it all. What's your one thing? Don't answer that. Think about it. What's your one thing? The thing that in your heart, you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. If Jesus could just fix this, man, everything would be different. So that's where the paralytic is at, right? This man was going to the one man who could fix him. The paralytic knew that Jesus could fix his legs, and so he was going to the one man who could fix him. Do you feel the excitement? Can you imagine what it's like to be the paralytic here, right? Dude, I'm going to have my legs fixed. Jesus is going to fix me. And so look what happens. Here we go. Verse 4. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. 
I'm going to read that one more time because I, I think I misread that. It was, sounds like some of our middle school boys or something here. What is happening? Taking the roof off, right? When they could not get near him, speaking of Jesus, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So you see here that the crowd was so big that they couldn't get in. Man, what? We came all this way to see Jesus? We came all this way to see this healer guy, and now we can't even get in? So imagine the scene, right? Imagine these guys are walking with their mat, right? Their carrier, and they, and they get there, and, and already, like, there's just this, like, crowd around the front door where they can't even see inside. I mean, there, there wasn't even standing room only. And they conclude, and they go, hey, Johnny, sorry to tell you, man, but we're going to have to come back another day. You're not going to be able to see Jesus, like, Imagine, right? And they're just telling him, I'm so sorry, man. It's like, they're sold out. I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. And you can just imagine this guy, right? He's like laying on his back. And just imagine the determination in his face where he's like, no, I've come this far, right? Not just geographically, but emotionally. I've come this far to see Jesus. We are not going back. I need to see Jesus, right? And you imagine this guy giving the most epic speech, right? The most epic pep talk of his life from his back. We will not be denied, right? And the guys that are carrying him are like, whoa. And you just kind of imagine their faces, right? Like, yeah, yeah, we will not be denied. Yeah, you're right. And like, you just even see they're becoming convinced and they're becoming determined. And they're like, yeah, we are going to see Jesus today. So let's brainstorm. And right here in the Bible, between the lines, we see the most crazy, best brainstorm session of all of history, right? I wish I could have been there, right? And so these guys are like, yeah, we're going to go see Jesus. So how are we going to do it? Right? And I can just imagine the ideas going around. All right, check it out. What if we raise him up and crowd surf him into the house, right? And Johnny's like, don't you dare, right? Guys, guys, talk to me. Don't pick me up. Guys, wait. Right? He's like, all right, all right. What if we just like, all right, hey, Phil, you're pretty big. You be the lead blocker. You start barreling away, right? We're just going to bust through, right? They're like, no, we can't do that, man. Hurt my leg playing gaga ball, man. I just, I'm not good right now. And, and guys are like, dude, do the bloody nose trick, right? And you guys know the bloody nose trick, right? You never did the bloody nose trick in high school when there's a huge crowd in the hallway and you're running late? You just go, bloody nose, bloody nose, bloody nose. Woo, they just part, right? It's over, dude. Use that only in case of emergency. Trust me, right? And then there's like, you imagine the guy's lying on his back, and he's like, guys, I can't take this anymore. Just throw me. Guys, you're brainless. Just throw me in there. Just throw me. And we're like, Johnny, shut up, right? Shut up. And imagine, dude, I want to know who the guy was that had this idea, right? He's like, ding. He's like, what if we take it to the next level? Literally. Literally. <laughs> guys, guys, what if... We raise the roof, right? And just imagine their Yeah. Yeah, right? And imagine, like they literally are going to climb to the roof with a paralyzed dude on his mat. Of all of the ideas, I'm convinced if we put our sixth grade boys in a room and said, I want you to get to Jesus through the crowd, figure it out, they'd have a better idea than this. <laughs> Let's go to the roof and take the roof off. I'm liking this idea. So they take it to the next level, literally. And so they climb up to the roof. Imagine, what is that like? Like, all right, guys, one at a time, right? We hold the steps. I, I, don't, I, don't even, I can't even imagine. But somehow they get to the roof, it says here. They get to the roof. 
and they start to remove, right? I don't even know what the roof is like. Is it thatched? Is it wood? Is it tile? Is it particle board? You know what I mean? It's not particle board. I can guarantee you that, right? I'm a scholar, right? And so they're doing all these things, and they start taking the roof off. And imagine what's going on on the inside, right? Here's Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like, you know? And everybody's like right here on the front row. They're like, yeah, tell us, Jesus. The kingdom of doof, right? Finally breaks through, and it's sitting on the floor, and Jesus is just like, because he's all-knowing, he's like, right on time. <laughs> Here it is. And everybody in the audience is like, is this like an ancient Near Eastern pyrotechnic show, right? Da, 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 da. Right, these guys are like tying up rope or something. They start lowering them through the hole, right? And you can just imagine, they're making this up as they go along, right? Because they're like, we're just going to go up to the roof, right? Yeah! They get up to the roof, and they're like, now what? <laughs> we cut a hole. Awesome. <laughs> right? They cut a hole. Boof. Now what? <laughs> just throw them in. Guys, don't you dare. So they find some rope, right? They find some XLR cables. They tie him down, and they start lowering him, right? And it's like, you imagine one guy like slips and he's like, and he's like crooked in the air. And this is like faith, man. He's like, I was going to see my maker today, but not like this. And so he, and he's being lowered. And imagine the people on the inside of the audience, right? They're sitting there watching this coming down. They're like, Jesus, is he with you? Right? Like <laughs> the second coming of the second son. Who is this guy? Right? Coming from heaven. And he's just coming down. And Jesus, you just imagine Jesus sitting there in silence, right? Just with a knowing smile of like, and so two, three, four minutes, whatever it takes to lower him in, they land, right? He lands on the mat, and the guy's just sitting here on the floor. And then you, the four guys are like, what do we do now? Jump in. And they land there, and here are these five dudes, right? These five dudes has just completely interrupted Jesus' seminar on the kingdom, right? And they're standing, they just like... Talk about, like, trying to get better seats at a basketball game, right? They just went right to the front. They're, like, courtside right now. And they're sitting there, and they're like, ha, we did it! <laughs> and Jesus is sitting there just with that knowing smile. Hi. And they go, what do we do now? I don't know. I didn't think that far. Should we talk to him? I don't know. My hands hurt from the rope. And so Jesus is sitting here, and then Jack's laying on his back, right? And he's like, guys, what's happening? What's his name? Johnny. Not anymore. So Jack's sitting there, and he's like, guys, what's happening? <laughs> right? And Jesus, he breaks the silence, right? Imagine, like, what would you do right now? Ready? Boom. Five guys are sitting here. They interrupt my sermon. I'm sitting here staring at them. And what do you hear? happening right just like, this is the bible imagine it this is a real event and so they jump in and, and the crowd is speechless these dudes are silent and then jesus breaks the silence look at verse five and when jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son he's looking at jack right here on the floor he goes son 
Your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so check it out. Jesus breaks the silence, but the paralytic is confused, right? He's sitting there and he's like, and he hears, son, guys, is he talking to me, right? Kick me, roll me over, poof. Son, your sins are forgiven. And so Jesus is here, right? And, and here's the moment, right? This is the moment. The paralytic has finally arrived. He's about to get what he has so desperately needed, and his whole life is about to change, right? Jesus even saw their faith, it says. Jesus saw that they were convinced that Jesus could heal his legs. Jesus could fix him. And so Jesus opens his mouth. He's about to break the silence, right? He's about to speak, and you just, you can picture the anticipation. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Jesus is going to fix me. Jesus is going to fix me. And he speaks, and he says, son, yeah, yeah, I'm so close. Here it comes. Like, what is it going to feel like? And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. What? It's me, Jesus, Jack, right? It, oh, no, it's me, the, the paralytic. That's not why I'm here, right? That's actually not what I came for, Jesus, right? Like, that's like going to the doctor's office, and they're like, all right, we're ready for surgery. And you're like, no, 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 no. I just came for the strep throat. That, that's not me. That's, that's not, I think you got it wrong. That's not what I came to see you for today. And so he's sitting there stunned, right? The paralytic is just, he heard these words, and he's like, oh, that's not what I came for. And he has that pit in his stomach, and he's like, did he get it wrong? Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe Jesus wasn't the guy I thought he was. Who even are you, Jesus? And so he's sitting there just confused, right? So not only that, not only is he confused, but check this out. The Pharisees, they're angry, right? So you have Jack sitting here on the floor, and he's confused. But then you have the Pharisees, and they're sitting there angry, right? The religious leaders of the day, they're disapproving of the entire situation. And they're saying to themselves, Jesus, who are you? Who do you think you are? Only God can forgive sins. Jesus, you just crossed the line. And can I be honest? They have a point, don't they, right? They have a point. So Josh, come up here, buddy. Come up here, right? Josh, Andrew, come here, bud. Come here, right? You got to understand something. The, the Pharisees, they had a point. How can Jesus say that he's forgiving sins, but only God can do that? And, and here's why they kind of have a point, right? Andrew, I want you to punch Josh in the face as hard as you can. All right? All right. No, warm up, warm up. Shake it off. All right? Ready? Get it? You think I'm kidding, but I really want you to deck him, right? I'm kidding. Don't you dare, right? Do that again. That was perfect, right? Yep, just like that, right? All right, so you're going to punch him, right? He's just minding his own business. You walk up to him, and you do him dirty. You still turn that way. Okay. <clears throat> I forgive you, dude. I forgive you. You're good. I forgive you. Yeah. Thanks, man. Stay down. Stay down. Stay down. <laughs> Who am I to forgive Andrew? Andrew just punched Josh in the face, and I come in, and I'm like, bro, I forgive you. I don't hold it against you. You know what I mean? Don't even worry about it. 
Who am I to forgive Andrew for punching Josh in the face? Come up here, Josh, right? Only Josh can forgive him. Thank you. Give it up for Josh. Thank you very much, right? Only Josh has the authority to forgive Chris because the sin was actually against him, right? I have no authority in that situation. And so in the same way, the Pharisees are saying, who are you, Jesus, to forgive this man of his sins when his sin is a matter between him and his creator? Get it? Jesus, who are you to pronounce that this guy is forgiven of his sins? Get out of there. That's not your business. You have no authority there. That's between him and his creator. And so they accuse him of what they call blasphemy, right? Jesus doesn't fix his legs. He forgives his sin. Sorry, there it is. And so we keep going here, and we, and we see the definition of blasphemy, talking about godly things in such a violating and irreverent way, okay, in such a wrong way. So imagine I, I come, just to give you an example, if I come to you and I go, hey, guys, welcome to Citizens. Just want to let you know my name is Sam, the creator of the earth, okay, um, this is Jake. He's my friend, my co-creator of the earth, right? And it's like, what? Dude, blasphemy. Time out. You're, you're talking about sacred things. You're talking about godly things in such an irreverent way. Like, how could you dare claim to do that? And, like, and I, like, I wasn't even joking. I was being serious. That's blasphemy. And so they're accusing Jesus of blasphemy. He doesn't, forgi- he doesn't fix his legs. He forgives his sins. And they go, Jesus, you can't do that. That's between man and his creator. You can't do that. And so here we are. Jesus doesn't fix his legs. He forgives his sin. And so on the one hand, the paralytic is confused, right? I mean, wouldn't you be? Wouldn't you be confused? He's confused. The Pharisees are angry. And so Jesus, what do you have to say for yourself? What do you have to say for yourself, Jesus? Because this whole seminar just got super awkward really fast. And look what Jesus says. Verse 8. And immediately... Everybody say, immediately. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? (laughs) Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he says to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and they glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We've never. This paralyzed dude just got up and walked out. Right, the crowd, talk about bloody nose, right? He's like, fix the legs, fix the legs, and then just woof. And he walks out and he goes home. And so look what happens here. Jesus knew, right? Let's go, go to this verse here. Look what it says. So, so the paralytic is confused. The Pharisees are angry. And as Jesus begins to speak to them immediately, look what the text says. It says that he perceived what was in their hearts, Right? He perceived what was in their hearts. How many of you have ever been caught talking in class, right? Anybody like me where, how many of you have been caught talking in sermon, right? Now, you're in class, and like, the thing about getting caught in class talking is that we all believe we're the best whisperers in the history of mankind, right? Arena, how are you? The teacher can't hear us because I'm whispering, right? Sam, please stop talking. How did she hear us, right? And I was always that kid that was like, what? 
And she's like, oh, because you're invisible too, huh? But imagine being in class and getting caught, right? Sam, stop talking. I didn't say anything. You did in your heart, right? That's like having Jesus as your teacher, right? We see here his supernatural spiritual ability to see hearts and minds, right? And remember that because that's important. And so Jesus, he's looking at the crowd and he sees the religious leaders and he goes, hey, why are you saying that? And they're like, oh, me? I see what's in your heart. And so he sees what's in their heart and look what he says to them. He says, which is easier? They got problems, all right? They're angry because they don't think that Jesus has the ability to forgive sins. And he goes, tell you what, what's easier? Which is easier? Would it be easier for me to say, son, your sins are forgiven? Or would it be easier to say, rise, get up, and walk? And I think the answer is obvious, right? If I say to you, your sins are forgiven, nobody in this room can test that, right? Like, how can you verify that I actually did what I said I did? Hey, I got good news. I just put a million dollars in your bank account, right? And it's like, you have no way to verify that. It's just eventually, but right now, what? And he goes, what's easier? I, I, I could say your sins are forgiven, and none of you can check me on that, but like, what if I actually did fix this guy's legs, right? What if I actually did something and demonstrated my power in something that you can see right now? And that's exactly what he does. He goes, what's easier, this or this? Yeah, to me, they're the same. I'll show you. Hey, son, rise, get up, and go home. I fixed your legs. And they're all like, oh, wait for it. And then Jack's like, Thanks, right? Like, what do you even say? I mean, just speechless with, with gratitude. Shower is off. And the point is clear, is it not, right? This demonstration of power. He's saying, you, think I, I, you don't think I have the power to forgive sin? I just did something even harder than that. I just healed this guy's legs. And so, therefore, the point is clear. Jesus has the ability to forgive sins. There's no doubt about his power. Jesus has the ability to forgive sins. But wait, Sam, I thought only the person that can forgive Andrew is the person that he wronged. I, I thought the only person that has the power to forgive sins is the one who was sinned against. It's true. So what does that mean? If Jesus really does have the authority to forgive mankind of their sins... He's making a statement. Your sins are against me. Jesus is making a statement by forgiving a human being, by forgiving you, a middle school or high school student. Jesus is saying, I do have the authority to forgive you because ultimately your sin is against you and your creator. And I'm him. I'm God. I'm the one who was there at the foundation of the earth laying out the floor plans for the foundation. I am God. And that's why Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. He's not blaspheming at all. He actually really does have the ability. And so here we go, right? The Pharisees, they're sitting there and they're speechless, right? What can they say? Well, Jesus, you don't have the ability to... The guy walks out and they go... He completely shuts the Pharisees up. And while doing so, he reveals to us a powerful lesson. He has the ability to forgive mankind. He has the ability to forgive you of your sins. But now, let's turn our attention away from the Pharisees. And let's go back to this paralytic here. 
Why is it that when the paralytic went through all that effort, why is it that when the paralytic and his friends went through all of that song and dance to come and have Jesus fix the one thing that would fix their entire lives, why is it that Jesus didn't even address it? Why is it that when there was a paralytic laying on the floor, Jesus looks at him and he goes, ooh, I know what you need. I forgive you. Did Jesus misdiagnose? Did Jesus just get it wrong? Was he so busy with the distractions that he just kind of, did he slip? What's going on here? And students, here's why, what I think is happening here. I think it's because Jesus knows better. Jesus knows better. The paralytic on his way that day, on his journey, he thought that the best thing that could possibly happen to him, the best thing that can possibly fix his world is if Jesus fixed his legs. He thought that his deepest need was to have his legs fixed. But what he didn't realize is that Jesus wanted to do something much more profound in this guy's life. It's as if Jesus, through his actions, was saying to the paralytic and his desires, it's as if he was saying, you have underestimated the depths of your need. You have underestimated the depths of your problem. You have completely underestimated the depths of your need. You've completely underestimated the problem in your life that you think would fix you. You've completely got it wrong, what you, have, what you think your biggest problem is. And you see, Jesus wanted to heal a part of this man that the man didn't even know needed healing. Students, we see a healing today. But it's not the healing that the paralytic expected. And so back to you, here in Eugene, Oregon, 2017. And I said to you before, you're just like the paralytic, right? Each of you have that one thing that you say, man, if I just, if I had one thing, man, if I could go to Jesus, right, without even going through a roof, if I could go to Jesus and get one gift, if I could go to Jesus and have one gift, right, him grant me one wish, one thing that would fix me, oh, man, I know exactly what that would be, right? And so we say, man, you know what I really need? You know what would really fix my life? Man, if I just, if I had more education, man, if I could just be smarter, Man, I know that that would fix me. Man, you know what, Jesus, oh man, I know what really, you know what my problem is, Jesus? I, I know that I'm maybe not the best kid all the time, but really, dude, if my family situation was better, like, Jesus, like, I, I know I may be the problem, but like, if I had a functional family, if my family wasn't so dysfunctional, if I had parents that were still together, if I had siblings that didn't kill each other, if I just had a warm family environment where we actually did things like they do in the movies and have meals together, geez, man, if I could have one thing, it would be a better family situation. Man, if I, Jesus, I know it sounds funny, but please, everything in my life, if I could just be a little bit taller, man, just a little bit better stature, I know I'd feel better about myself. And, and Jesus, you know, I just, I, I really just, I need relationships. And I need connectivity. And, and Jesus, you know, I, oh, Jesus, let me tell you, if I had more friends, oh, if I was better connected, if I had a better network, I know, Jesus, that my life would be completely different. And I believe you, Jesus, you could fix me. Jesus, man, if I just had a relationship, oh, man. Jesus, I know that you could fix me. Just one thing I need from you, Jesus. Just one thing, please. Would you just fix this part of my life? I just need a relationship so badly. And then I know that I would be perfect. I just, everything would be good. And I would never ask for another thing again. I just, man, that's the one thing that could fix me. 
And Jesus, you know, really, it boils down to if I just had more attention, you know, if I just, if I had more, more better looks or if I was more popular, just Jesus, this, man, just one thing, one thing, Jesus, I know that it would fix me. And Jesus, students, he's here tonight and he looks at you and he says, you have completely underestimated the depths of your need. You have completely underestimated the depths of your problem. Because what you actually need, more than to have your legs fixed, more than to have your relationships and your status and your family and your popularity and your physique and your connectivity, more than all of those things, what you really need is to be cleaned. What you need more than anything is a new record that will completely change, radically change your identity. You need to have an identity shift so massive that it's as if you're becoming brand new. And so what's going on when Jesus talks to the paralytic? It's because that's exactly what he's doing. He's giving him a new record. Jesus is giving this man a new record. One of the greatest longings right now in our culture is to be clean, right? Listen to the music. Listen to the lyrics of your music. Watch the news. Look at the movies that you watch. Look at the television shows. All of these things in culture, they're repeating the same refrain over and over and over in different ways. And this is what they're saying. I want to be clean, Remove my guilt, remove my shame, remove my regret, remove my dirt. I want to be clean. This is one of the most, this is one of the deepest longings right now in our culture. I want to feel clean. I read an article by, by a woman in a, she's an editor of a magazine. And she was talking about how every day that she goes home, she feels soiled. She just feels dirty, and she goes home and she takes like an hour-long shower just to have this sense of cleansing. And you know why she said she feels like she's soiled? Because she works in an industry that is telling people that really what they need is just to be fixed. And she works in an industry that tells people that what you really need to be fixed in your life is to look better, be better, feel better. And she says, you know what? Every day that I write that garbage, I actually know it's a lie. But people buy it. And so she has this, this feeling of being soiled because she knows that she's not clean. And I know that that's one of the deepest longings in this room as well. I know, I know it because it's human nature. It's sin nature. And so one of the deepest longings that you have, one of the most basic longings that you have is I want to be clean. I want to be in the right. I want to be pure, right? I want to be made clean and, and, and pure and holy and all these things. And students, who am I to stand up here and just say, dude, you're okay. Who am I to stand here in front of middle school and high school students and have the audacity to say, guys, you're good kids. Don't be so hard on yourself. You're forgiven? That's between man and his creator. Students, the only person that has the authority and the ability to grant such a pardon is Jesus Christ himself. 
The only person that has the ability to grant such a pardon is your creator, Jesus. And here's the good news. The only one who has the ability happens to be the only one who actually loves you the most in spite of that sin. And Jesus is the one who stands up and he says, I forgive you. Your sin is against me, and I still forgive you, and I love you, and I'm going to cleanse you, and I'm going to give you that new record. And you know how I'm going to do it? I'm going to pay the price. Imagine you come over to my house, and my wife and I have you over for dinner. And uh, after dinner, we clear the plates, and we start playing a game of spoons on the table, right? And things get intense, and before you know it, one thing led to another, and you go over and crash a lamp down off my table, right? And you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, Sam, I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh, that was such a, oh, what is that? And it was my $400 lamp. I don't have a $400 lamp. (laughs) But you break my $400 lamp, and there's really only two options. I'm either going to make you pay for the lamp, or I'm going to pay for the lamp. You can't make the penalty disappear, There's no such thing, right? I'm either going to say, hey, Isaac, you owe me 400 bucks, bro. Or I'm going to say, ah, you know what? I'm not going to hold that against you. And now I'm going to absorb that cost. Either I'm going to live with $400 less of light or I'm going to go and pay for that lamp. But you can't make the penalty disappear. That's literally impossible. Someone has to make up for that, that, that discrepancy. Somebody has to make up for that loss. And so I'm either going to make him pay or I'm going to absorb the blow. And Jesus is standing here saying, yeah, you've sinned against me, but I'm willing to absorb the blow. I'm willing to pay the price so that you can walk away clean and not have that penalty against you. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to make your record brand new. I'm willing to pay for it myself. Do you know why this is such an intrinsic need? Do you know why? Like maybe you're here and you're like, dude, I don't actually think that's my biggest need. First of all, Jesus can read hearts, okay? Jesus does know better. It wasn't the guy's legs. He needed a new record. But here's why, students, it is so vital. Here's why this is such a big need in our own souls. Imagine this is your life. This whiteboard, this is your life, right? And the Bible, when the Bible talks about sin, when the Bible talks about sin, it doesn't talk about, it it doesn't simply, it doesn't only talk about sin in terms of, oh, that little action I did yesterday. And, oh, I know that, man, I sinned when I, when I said that. And then, you know, the other day I looked at that, and then I, I did have that thought here. Yeah, and, you know, and sometimes on the weekends I tend to get a little crazy, and so I just kind of, you know, just down here in the corner, that's just kind of in a little corner of my life, though, right? No, no, no. The Bible, when the Bible talks about sin, it's not just talking about a a single action every once in a while. The Bible talks about sin in such a bigger way. Pull that. Pull it. Right? The Bible talks about sin as an orientation, right? The Bible talks about sin as this determination in our entire life to live life our way. 
And here's a, here's a quick definition for you of sin, okay? When the Bible talks about the extent of sin, it says sin is your orientation and your determination to ignore God while living in the world he created, okay? Oh, well, you know, I actually sinned once. No, 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 no. When the Bible talks about sin, it's not simply talking about an occasional action. It is talking about that lifestyle. It's talking about that orientation that says, I'm in charge. It's talking about that orientation that says, I make the decisions. Sam makes the decisions on how I'm going to live. Sam makes the decisions on how I'm going to speak. Sam makes those decisions on what I'm going to do. Kind of like the king we talked about yesterday, right? And so we have this entire orientation. Our entire life is marked by a voice that says, my will. And we ignore God even though we live in the world that he created. That's our problem. That's why sin is such our problem. Sin is not just a bad habit that we have on the weekends. Sin is the orientation of our entire life that says, not you, me, I'm in charge. And then here's where it gets better, right? <laughs> the world knows, right? The world feels this. The world knows that there's something wrong. The world knows that we don't, we don't feel right. And so instead of ignoring that because they can't, Right? You want, to learn, you want to read a good piece of history? Go back and read about uh, 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 the World War I time period, right? Where, where the liberal movement started to uh, uh, reject the idea of human depravity, and they started to talk about humanitarianism as humanity has finally arrived. And actually, at our core, we're really good. And then World War I happens, and that entire movement was shocked. I wish I would have wrote the quote down. But one of the authors talked about how the entire liberal movement had no answer for the carnage that took place. And they realized that barbarianism was not just something that they had to eradicate from the world, but it was something that they had to eradicate from within themselves. And so ever since that time period, everybody on this earth, pretty much, everybody in our country agrees there's something wrong with us. But here's the problem. They try to tell you how to fix it. And they say, oh, dude, I know you don't feel clean. I know you feel messed up, but here's what you really need to get better. Here's what you really need to be better. Oh, if you just had a little bit of this, it would just block. Oh, imagine if you had a legit family. Imagine. Oh, it would just, man, it doesn't even look that bad anymore. Imagine if you had a relationship. Imagine if you had a ring to put over that whiteboard. Oh, man. Imagine if you had enough education and smarts and you were the most successful CEO and you were making a ton of money. Imagine, like, People wouldn't even notice the sin because all they'd see is your name on the cover of that book. Imagine. And students, the Bible tells us that actually what we need more than anything is for God to come and give us a new record, right? And he begins to make us clean. And what happens is he forgives us of our sins. And he wipes us clean. And he frees us from the shame and the regret and the dirt on our lives. And we realize that even though we think all of these things would fix us, we realize that Jesus didn't come to fix us. He came to free us. <clears throat> Jesus didn't come to fix that one little area of your life that's out of whack. Jesus is not the person you come to at youth group so that you can say, Jesus, I, just, I actually just need a little bit of help. Like he's a genie. Can you just fix this one area? No, no, Jesus says you have underestimated the depths of your need. And what you need more than anything is for me to forgive you of your sin and to free you. 
to free you from the power and the shame and the guilt that comes with a life of sin, to free you from the consequences of this lifestyle. Because students, if you don't fix this, if you're not freed from this, the result is an eternity apart from God. An eternity of being estranged from the one we sinned against because we never made it right with him. It would be like Andrew punching Josh in the face and never making amends. They're never going to be here again. They're never going to be cool until they reconcile. And God says, hey, I'm willing to reconcile with you. I'm willing to forgive you of your sins. And he comes and he frees us from all of those things. And all we need to do is come to Jesus. We need to be like that paralytic, right? Who said, Jesus is in town and he's teaching and all I need to do is get to Jesus. I want to talk to the Christians in the room. Think about the paralytic that day, okay? He came thinking that Jesus was going to fix his legs. But his biggest problem His biggest problem wasn't having legs that kept him from walking outside. It was his biggest problem was that he had sin that kept him from walking with God. And so even though he thought that Jesus would make his legs brand new, Jesus actually made his record brand new. And so Christians in the room, those of you who have said, no, I live for Jesus. I've experienced the forgiveness of sins. I've surrendered my life to him. I've been baptized. I'm in the family. I'm reconciled to God. Why are you telling me this, Sam? This is so basic. Like, I already know that Jesus forgives me. I learned this in sixth grade. Can we move on? No. No. First of all, the reality is, each and every single Christian in this room, your record is new, but you're not perfect. You still have sin on the inside that is fighting against the desires of your new heart, that is fighting against the realities of your new record, and you still have sin on the inside. You still have that little voice that is fighting that says, I want to be in charge. And here's the reality, okay? A lot of realities. Here's the reality. The times that you're most prone to falling to sin are the times that you forget what Jesus has done for you. Let me say it again. Christians, the time that you are most in danger of falling into sin are the times where you are least reminding yourself of, the the times that you are most forgetful of what Jesus has done for you. And that's why Paul, he even preaches to Christians. He says, remember, you've been forgiven. Therefore, how can you go and do that? The key to having victory over your sin is reminding yourself of the reality of your new record. Reminding yourself that you've been freed of sin. So how can you go back and live there? Imagine you're rolling around in mud, right? Fight night in mud. And I come over and I, and I pull you out and I clean you off. And you go, whoa, I'm brand, I'm brand spanking new. I'm, I'm clean. I'm not going to go back in the mud. I just got cleaned off. And then a couple days go by and you forgot that you were cleaned off. And that in those moments, you're most tempted to go back into the mud. And so Christians, you need to remind yourself of this truth consistently. Because this is our, our weapon against falling back into sin. Jesus doesn't fix us. He frees us. Jesus doesn't want to just fix that one thing in your life. He wants to free you from the power of sin and its shame in your life. And so as the band comes up, here's how we're going to respond tonight, okay? Here's how we're going to respond. We're going to have two groups here. 
and we have two sides of the room. <clears throat> we have this table here with, with all of these items that represent the things that we need to be fixed in our life, right? And then on this side, we have the chair of Jesus and his teaching, right? And this represents Jesus sitting there that day teaching and granting forgiveness of sins. And so we're going to stand and we're going to respond. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to call you guys forward into one of these two groups, right? If any of the groups. But here are two options, right? The first one, if you're here tonight and you're saying, man, I have unconfessed sin in my life. And I need to come to Jesus and I need him to grant me forgiveness. I need to come to Jesus and confess my sins. I want you to come down at that moment, and when I call you, you'll come forward, and, and I just want you to stand here. You can kneel at the altar. You can stand. You can, do, you can whatever you got to do. Maybe you're so consumed by your unconfessed sin that you almost feel like you're paralyzed, and you can't get up here. And you're like, man, I want to go up there. I want to make a statement and ask Jesus to forgive me. But just like the paralytic, you're paralyzed. Good news. Look around you. There's more than four people, right? There's friends that are willing to walk up here with you and take you to Jesus, even when you're not able to get there yourself. So maybe when I call you forward, you're over here and you're saying, Jesus, I just want you to forgive me. I want you to make me clean. And if you're here tonight and you've actually never done that ever, if you've never put your faith in Jesus and experienced his love that makes you perfectly clean, maybe you do this for the first time. Maybe this is the first time that you actually come close enough to Jesus and say, would you touch me? Or maybe you're in the room and, and you thought about your one thing, right? You thought about the one thing that you really need and you, tonight is the night that you let go of that and you come forward on this side of the room and you make this statement, Jesus, you know better. Jesus, I know the things that I think would fix me. I know the things that I think that, that I need, but you know what, I'm gonna come here, I'm gonna leave these here. I'm saying, Jesus, you know better and I'll let you do with me what you will. Even if you never fix my legs, Jesus, I trust you that you know better and that you'll deal with me. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand? <clears throat> Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the story of the paralytic, not just because it's a great story, but, Lord, because it reveals the fact that you don't want to just fix us. You want to free us, Lord. You want to give us a new record. And, God, I pray that tonight. I pray that students would come and experience your grace, that they would come and experience the forgiveness that you grant, Lord that they would come and be made clean. And Lord, I pray for those students that, man, they just there's something in their heart that they say, man, I just need this fixed, and, and they're fixated on this, God. I pray that tonight they would take a step forward in their faith by saying, Jesus, I trust you, you know better. Lord, take us in our faith, Lord, to to new heights, Lord. Bring us to places in our faith where we've never trusted in you, God. Grow our faith tonight, Lord. Birth faith in students tonight, I ask you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. Amen. Amen. Students, we're going to begin singing here, and I'm just going to invite you. If you want to come forward and, and respond tonight out of your seats and do something different, come on down. You can come. Andy's going to lead us. Forgiveness. And Jesus, I trust you.